0: Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Our study this season is titled Jesus and Me Today. We know Jesus is coming back. With that in mind, what does your today look like? Here's Jacqueline. Good morning. How is everyone this morning? Today is our study on how to be steady, not are you steady. I think many of us have been asked that question. We've asked ourselves that question: Am I steady? And then we start going down a rabbit hole of I don't know if I'm steady. I'm not steady enough. And we start comparing ourselves to our past selves, or our future goals, or to other people that we know. And so the question of Am I steady? I don't like it. Just brings comparison and and negative thoughts too often. So the question is How? How are you steady? How are you steady? Do you have an area of strength? We talked about weakness for a minute, and everybody zipped their lips. It's funny, because this room was full of chatter, full of giggles, full of laughter. Are you weak? Silence. Are you steady? Deeper yet, how? How are you steady? I wrote this study on Jesus and me today over Christmas break. So a couple of weeks ago, gave it titles, wrote down some scriptures that I was praying over, the different topics, wrote down some questions, some ponder thoughts, presented you with this book at the beginning of our 10-week study with the question, how are you steady? And then I put it on the back of my mind after it was all finished and printed and sent out, and then we started week one, week two, and worked our way through. This week, when I opened up to How Are You Steady?, I sat at my desk with that question in front of me, and it made me ask myself, How am I steady? And I pondered that in my weakness. This week, there's been a lot of weakness. And I sat in my weakness and asked myself, How am I steady? And I asked myself that Monday morning when I first start my study for the, the week at hand, and I didn't have an answer. But my weakness continued. So I asked myself throughout Monday and into Tuesday, how am I steady? And as I'm reading Scripture and I'm reading First Thessalonians, the letter that Paul wrote to this amazing church in a powerful city in the empire of Macedonia back in the day, I asked myself, "How am I steady?" And it hit me: I'm steady in the Word of God. I'm steady in Scripture. But I still was missing. There was something more. I I, I do I love Scripture. I'm a nerd about Scripture. You girls know that. I, I love I love the open, powerful Word of God. But I continued on. My weakness, and I'll my my body is 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 weak and i'm sitting there in my weakness and i'm asking god how am i steady how am i steady i woke up this morning i've got worship playing i'm getting ready for this morning and the question of my steadiness and the words that the words on this card that i wrote yesterday in my own journal i'm writing on this down trying to figure out how am i steady how am i steady where is my strength in christ to define my steadiness and I wrote this little blurb down in my, in my personal journal and copied it over, wrote this and sent it to um, Christine. And Christine made it beautiful. That's what Christine does. And this morning I'm sitting there getting ready and it hit me. And I don't say this in boast, I don't say this in brag, I say this in exhortation that you see in yourself where your steadiness is. My God never fails. My God never fails. When I was three years old, I would hear my mom sing a song about my God never failing. He never fails. And I grew up with that song in my head, that song in my heart, and then I had physical issues in my 20s, and I saw that my God never fails. And I had miscarriages in my 30s, and I saw that my God never fails. And although my body may be weak, At this present moment, my God, he never fails. And it hit me like a diamond ring, like that big, beautiful pink ring. That that's where my steadfast strength in the Lord is, is in the fact that no matter what, no matter what, my God, my Father God does not fail. He doesn't do that. My question for you is, how are you steady? Will you take time? Maybe you know already, I know how I'm steady in the Lord. I know my strength. And it's not a prideful moment. It's not that you're saying, oh, look at me. This is who I am. It's in awe. It's in awe that this is is your testimony of Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked very, very seriously about, Christian, are you saved? That was a deep study last week. Take that foundation of your salvation in the name of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and stand on your steadfastness in his love. How are you steady? Own that. Stay in that. Grow in that today. How are you steady? Paul writes a letter to Thessalonians, and you'll see the word steadfastness a time or two. You'll see examples of their steadfastness sprinkled throughout this book. It's a beautiful, beautiful letter. Today, we're going to read that letter. We're going to read it. We're going to sit under the teaching of Paul, and we're going to grow in Paul's steadfastness, in the Thessalonians' steadfastness, in your steadfastness, and all of it falls under the umbrella of the steadfast love of our Father God. He is steadfast, is he not? Psalm 92 tells us to declare his steadfast love every morning. Even in your weakness, declare the steadfast love of your God every morning. May we do that. Heavenly Father, how great is your steadfast love. How faithful, how true, how ever-present it is and how free it is father you pour your love upon us you demonstrated it to us while we were yet sinners your son died on the cross for us we thank you so much for loving us then for loving us now we thank you for this gift of eternal salvation through the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ I thank you so much that we get to cling to that Lord, I pray right now that if there is somebody that does not know Jesus, that does not know the cleansing power of his blood, I pray right now that salvation will wrap itself around their heart, that they will believe in their hearts, in their minds, that Jesus is the eternal son of God, that Jesus died on the cross, that Jesus was buried, that Jesus rose again, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, Lord, thank you for the gift of salvation. I thank you so much for weakness. I do. I thank you for weakness. I thank you for showing your strength so immensely in those days of weakness, in those hours in which all we have is your love to cling to. I thank you so much for giving us steadfastness. I pray that you help us to see it. Help us to see individually how your love is what we stand on. Lord, it's going to be different for each of us there's something that we cling to, something that we're strong in, even in the weakest parts of our life. Reveal that to us today, that we may stand even stronger in that area, that we may grow closer to you in that area, that we can shine your light and your love and the hope of your son, Jesus Christ, to others. Oh, Father God, grow us. Grow us where we are as we are today. I pray that you'll be with this letter to the Thessalonians. I pray that you will reveal it to us as we've never heard it before. Go before as you always do. I thank you so much for the love of your Son. And we pray in his name. Amen. First Thessalonians. It starts, as all letters do, with the author and the receiver and a blessing of the name of Jesus. Here's what it says. Paul Silas, yours version may say Silvanius, but that's Silas, and Timothy. So there's three men gathered together to write this letter. It's written to the Church of the Thessalonians. It's written in God the Father. It's written through the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a blessing of grace to you, and there's a blessing of peace. That's a sweet way to start a letter, isn't it? We're not going to do a study on Paul. We're not going to do a study of Silas. We're not going to do a study of Timothy. You're more than welcome to put that on your personal homework. A fun place to start is when your search, if you did this search on midnight last week, Paul and Silas were imprisoned together. And at midnight, scripture says, they sang songs and worshiped Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. These are the authors of this letter. In verse 2, it says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, remembering before our God and Father your labor of love, remembering before our God and Father your steadfastness of hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ. How are you steady? For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. How are you steady? Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but it also came to you in power. Our gospel came to you in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you. And we proved to be this among you for your sake. And you, you became imitators of us. And you became imitators of the Lord. What a compliment of their character. For you received the word in much affliction. And you received the word with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. And it makes me think we're sitting here today. But your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. Do you see their steadfastness? They clung so desperately to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that they could not stop talking about it, to the point that there was nobody left for Paul, Silas, and Timothy to talk to. Imagine that being your town. And this was not a small town, mind you. This was a major, major important city of this region. Who's the capital city of this region? Have you ever lived near a capital city? Big things happen there powerful place. And these Christians of Thessalonians were so fervent in their steadfastness of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that there was nobody left to talk to. Oh, that that be our capital city. And that starts with our mouth, does it not? And it starts with that one person, that one person, whoever that one person is. If each of us that's part of Women Inseparable, talks to one person today, our world will be lit on fire. You don't need to take care of the world. You don't need to take care of your capital. You have to take care of that one person. Tell that one person about Jesus. Makes it easy, doesn't it? Starts with one. Verse 9 says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols, to serve the living and true God. There's going to be a lot that pops up in this letter about suffering and about affliction. This right here is the, the foundation of their suffering. It's the foundation of their affliction, is this sentence. So as much as we want to lift this sentence up in just steadfast joy and excl- exclamation of the presence of Jesus in their life, it's where their suffering started. It's why they had affliction. Let's read that again. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. They lived in a town that was known for their worship. Thessalonians was known for their worship. However, the worship that they were known for was not the worship of God. Revelation 22, 9 tells us in two little words, worship God. That's what this church did. This is what these Christians did. And because of their worship to the true and living God, this city that was known for the worship gave them a hard time. There was separation that happened. There was extreme isolation that happened. There were denials of dinner invitations that happened, things that we have no idea what that feels like, right? Mm-hmm. Family gatherings that you find out about later, awkward moments when you mention let's pray, and people around you are like staring at you while you pray. You ever had that happen? Enter yourself into this this letter. This is what's going on. Verse ten says, "And to wait for his son from heaven." Whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. That's how they were steady. Chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error, it does not spring from impurity, it does not spring from any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Do you see where Paul's steadfastness is? Not to please man, but to please God, because it's God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness that what I just said is true. Verse six, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you, we didn't want glory from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ we could have come in and said i'm an apostle there was 13 apostles there was 12 and paul everybody knew the apostles they could have walked around with that air of authority they could have they had the right to but they did not because they didn't want the attention on themselves it had nothing to do with them how are they steadfast that's humble Ever had position and been tempted to flaunt your position? It's tempting. Sometimes that's tempting. Paul says, That's not tempting to me. I have no desire in doing that. I don't want to do that. I could, I have the right to, but I don't want glory from people. Verse 7 he says, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. How precious is that image? So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become so very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor. You remember our toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. While we proclaim to you the gospel of God, you are witnesses. And God is also our witness. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. Do you see how they were steadfast? How are you steady? Have you found yourself yet? Have confidence in that. That's not bragging. That's not being prideful. That's having confidence in who you are as you are through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's good. Let's go back to verse 9. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy How righteous, how blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you, and we encouraged you, and we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and his own glory. That is who you are. Oh, I pray verse 12 washes over you right now. And we also thank God constantly that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men. That's a powerful sentence. You did not accept what we were saying as the word of men, but as what it really was, the word of God, which is at work in you. Can you claim that sentence? Claim that sentence. Isn't that beautiful? For you brothers became imitators of the church of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets. What a terrible truth. And you can feel the frustration of Paul. And you can see the frustration of Paul if you read Acts 17 in this passage as well. The suffering that you're suffering, he says, is the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God. This is what they do. They displease God and they oppose all mankind. That's a big sentence. There's a difference right there between judgment and condemnation and righteous judgment right there. This Jewish nation who knew that God was going to send a Messiah. They knew that because they're students of Scripture. But yet we see in Acts 17, the Jews of this area said, don't you dare preach the name of Jesus Christ. There's only one king and hail Caesar. These are God's people who would not allow the name of Jesus to be spoken of so desperately that they kicked Paul out of the city. And he's saying right here, these people are hindering, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. Their religion wants to be so strong of a religion that they don't even want the name of Jesus to be spoken. What kind of a religion is that? Because a religion that will not allow the name of Jesus to be spoken is a door that is being shut that will not allow one person into heaven. That's not of God Almighty think Paul has a right to be upset about that just a little bit. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. Oh, that the name of Jesus is always spoken freely from our own lips. Speak the name of Jesus from your own lips. Don't hinder the name of Jesus to be spoken. I love our cards that we have and that we can share with people about Jesus. Anyone who reads the back of our cards has an invitation to Jesus Christ. And I've learned, I've seen, as I hand them out, like the human being, because I love the human being, or I hand them out at every other coffee shop in this valley all the time, and appointments and whatnot, I hand it out, and all I find myself saying is, can I share this with you? It's all about Jesus. I don't add anything to the card. The card literally says, it's all about Jesus. And it's always a smile because they're pretty and cute and girls like pretty and cute things. And just that easily, somebody gets to say the name of Jesus. And somebody gets to hear the name of Jesus. And somebody is given the opportunity to go home or get on their phone, open up a Bible app, and find a moment with Jesus Christ. That's what we get to do. Always proclaim the name of Jesus. Always. What are we doing today as we wait for Jesus to come again? We're saying the name of Jesus. Who's hearing you say the name of Jesus? Who gets to hear that? How are you steady? Verse 17 But since we were torn away from you, brothers, just for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face-to-face. My son pointed out to me that Paul's desire to see his people face-to-face is mentioned in multiple letters to multiple churches. I thought that was interesting. It's a fun search. I liked his his eye on that. He has a desire to see his people face-to-face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, my heart is for you. But Satan... Hindered us. For what is our hope? What is our joy? What is our crown of boasting when we find ourselves before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory. You are our joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, the separation from our face-to-face conversation. We were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish you, to exhort you in your faith. Do you see the different gifts being used as we go back to our gift study? How Timothy was sent. I think much about Timothy here. Timothy was young at this time. This is before Timothy started his own church, and he started his own church as a young pastor. We see that when we read 1 Timothy. And here Timothy is being sent without Paul. He's being sent without Silas, without his leadership. He's being sent to be the exhorter of this church. Kind of intimidating. But he went. That strength. How is Timothy steady in the Lord at that moment? He was strong in the Lord. Without putting himself down as being too young, he went. We sent Timothy to you. We sent him to exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. And we're back to the afflictions of the town. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Just as it has come to pass and just as you know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Do you see his love for this church? says, even though I'm absent, do you love Jesus? Despite the absence of that person that has taught you about Jesus, are you away from the person that taught you about Jesus? Who taught you about Jesus? That's always a fun question to think about. I could make a list. My mom introduced me to Jesus. My grandmother raised me in Jesus. I have a picture of my grandmother my friend on my fridge. I have not seen her face to face in years. I will one day spend eternity seeing her face. How I long to see her face. But imagine that person who told you about Jesus praying for you and being worried over you that the tempter comes and steals you away in their absence. Have you ever seen that happen? It happens. tempter comes in, oh, you're away from your stronghold. You're away from your person that taught you about Jesus. Let me come in and pull you away. There's always that war that happens between us. And Paul was worried about that over this church. And he says, let's not let the tempter come in and take you away in my absence. Because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Always. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, Timothy is now back giving us word. He's brought us the good news of your faith. He's brought us the good news of your love. And he's reported that you always remember us so kindly and that you long to see us just as much as we long to see you. Such love in this passage. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live. If you are standing fast in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase. What a great prayer to pray. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Hold on to that word holiness. And may it be displayed before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Finally then, brothers, we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. So this is going back to previous conversations that they had as a church, as a Bible study, if you will. Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Remember what I told you to do? Can you keep doing it? Oh, okay, is there more? Nope, just keep doing what we asked you to do. What you ask us to do? Proclaim the name of Jesus. Oh, okay. How often do we want to put more regulations on ourselves? And we want more to do. But when we say the name of Jesus more, it just naturally changes us, doesn't it? It's hard to do one thing with this hand and say the name of Jesus with this mouth and not think, hmm, maybe I won't do this anymore because I want to say the name of Jesus. And I can't say the name of Jesus while I'm doing this. Whatever this may be, it's going to be different for all of us. Don't you dare judge somebody else who has a different this. Say the name of Jesus. And the more you say the name of Jesus, the more you're going to see yourself change. Not because you've changed yourself. Note that. It's not you changing you. It's Jesus. And the more you speak the name of Jesus, the more you cling to the name of Jesus, and the more Jesus comes alive in your weakness and comes alive in your strength, Jesus changes you from the inside out. It's Jesus always be confident in that. How are you steady? You say, I don't have a specific area that I can think of, but I love Jesus. There it is. How are you steady? I'm steady in the love of Jesus. Jesus loves me. This I know, and I cling to that with all that is in me. What else matters? Nothing. Nothing. Grow in that. And His light and His love and the hope of His return will do nothing more than spill out of you everywhere you go. Spill out of you as you are where you are, not because you're a amazing, bright Christian person, all of a sudden. You're, you're you. You're a bright, brilliant, beautiful Christian as you today so that you can be the light, love, and hope of His return to the people that know you as you. The saddest thing is when a Christian get saved. And then they put on this air of a Christian and they completely change who God created them to be so they could put on the image of Christian. And their husband is left in the corner. And the husband is saying, what happened to my wife? And the wife is wanting to be meek and sweet and the right person. And that's, that's good, but it's not fair it's not fair for your husband. It's not fair for your children. It's not fair for your friends. It's not fair for your coworkers. And it's not fair for the name of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ saved you where you are. Why do we want so desperately to change all that? Why don't we stay where we are? This is what Paul tells the church of Corinth. Stay where you are. You got saved under circumcision, stay where you are. You got saved out of uncircumcision, stay where you are. You got saved, married, stay where you are. You got saved, stay where you are. Where you are when you met Jesus is where you need to stay when you love Jesus so that God can use you as you are, where you are, how you're created to be in the life you were created to live. Like, But what about sin? Say the name of Jesus and see what happens. Does that make sense? We want so badly to change our person because we get disgusted by who we are. Why? God created you. He created you and loved you from the moment you were conceived. And he created you to be the you that you are today. And then Jesus comes inside of you and shines the you that you are. He does that, not you. Don't be so quick to change things. Be quick to say the name of Jesus. And before you know it, the things that needed to be changed will be changed. The things that didn't need to be changed won't be changed. The things that are weak will become where his strength shines so powerfully and so beautifully. Don't be so quick to change. Is that fair to say? That was not Paul's teaching. That was a sister talking to his sister. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Just as you are doing, that you do so. Do it more. Do it more today. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. This is specific for this city, and I'm curious if this is specific for us It says, for this is the will of God. This is the issue that this church was dealing with in the town of worship that they were dealing with. This is the will of God. Your sanctification is the will of God. You being set apart from the sin of your city is the will of God. You being set apart from the worship that your town is worshiping, that is the will of God. Set yourselves apart for the name of Jesus Christ. That's the will of God for your life. Here's the specific it says. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. This is a specific sentence for a, small, for a big town 2,000 years ago. I highly doubt it's applicable for us today. That was my joke. <laughs> we live in a town of sexual immorality. We live in a world of sexual immorality. May I dare say some of us live in a home sexual immorality some of us are raised in one some of us know what it feels like today paul is saying that your sanctification is god's will for your life and if you want to be in the midst of the will of god abstain you you abstain from sexual immorality you do that what does that look like for you to abstain from that if a thought just passed your head then that was for you do you need to abstain wife this is women inseparable however there are a couple of men that listen i hear from wives my husband was listening i don't know any story of any kind but if there is anyone listening to this that is battling with sexual immorality a thought a desire, a physical act that's going on, stop. May I be so bold? Stop. Don't even dream about it. Don't even think about it. Don't even let that go there. Don't. Abstain. You abstain today. Jesus and me today. What's our homework today? There's your homework today. Abstain. May God give us strength. Sometimes that's hard. It's hard to stop that daydream. It's hard to turn something off. It's hard to erase thoughts in our head. Sometimes it's hard. Paul gives us good brotherly advice here. You want to be in the will of God? You want to be sanctified in the name of Jesus Christ? Abstain from sexual immorality today. Make that choice. You are the only one that can make that choice. Fair enough? Verse 4 He says that each one of you, here's why, here's how, he says that each one of you know how to control his own body. Do you see how personal this advice is? Every single person has to make this decision for themselves. You know, you know how to control your body, control your body. Is it mental control? Control your mental control. It's, if it's emotional, if you're getting emotionally attached to another person that is not your husband, oh, abstain from that. Ask God even today that you find that gross, that the very taste of it on your tongue is disgusting to you. Do not allow yourself to get emotionally attached to somebody who is not your husband. That's sexual immorality. Abstain from it today. Call it what it is, it's sin. It's gross. It does not allow you to speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. That each one of you know how to control his own body. Control it in holiness. We saw holiness mentioned earlier in chapter three again. A good study if you need a study in holiness. Control your body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles. Not in the passion of lust, like those who do not know God. Do you know God? Christian, we talked about Jesus last week very deeply. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Then honor him with your body. Romans 12.1, memorize that verse today. Romans 12.1, your body is a form of worship. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes women complain about their bodies. Sometimes. Sometimes we use our bodies inappropriately. Romans 12.1 encourages us to use our bodies for worship. Process that this week. Your body as it is where it is today, how can you use your body to worship your God? Again, Revelations 22.9 tells us worship God. In light of 1 Thessalonians 4 and what we ought not to do with our bodies, and Romans 12, one of what we ought to do with our bodies. And Revelation 22, nine, that tells us to worship God. I pray that we can connect that in each of our heads, how we can use our body, how they are, where they are today and worship of our God. Look how beautiful. And we're going to finish with this little t- um, segment. It says, not in the passion of those who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brethren this matter. Because the Lord is an inventor, in all these things. He holds true to purity. This is what our God does. And Paul says, we told you beforehand and we solemnly warned you. We've talked about this, he says. For God has not called us for impurity. You are not called for impurity. You are not called for impurity. You are called to holiness. You, today, are called to holiness. That's three times we've seen holiness in just a couple minutes. Are you claiming holiness? Are you steady in holiness? Oh, sweet friend, I pray that holiness is what's spilling from your body in worship to our God. Therefore, whoever disregards this, this truth at the beginning of chapter 4 Whoever disregards this truth disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Sweet friend, how are you steady? There's more. There's the continuation of chapter 4. There's all of chapter 5. And there's a whole nother letter to the Thessalonians. I encourage each of us to read. Read it. Listen to it. On audio. Read it from start to finish. Find words that are spilling out in your area of steadfastness. Cling to the love of our Father and find your strength. Hold on to it. Grow in it. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your word. It's so sweet, it's so precious, it's so applicable to every generation, to every city, to every heart. I pray right now that your word was spoken and not mine. I pray that, Heavenly Father, I pray that you will use us to be a form of worship to you today. I pray that you will see us in our holiness. I pray we will see ourselves in holiness. I pray that if there is a matter of sin in our lives, that, it, that sin itself is our weakness, I pray that we'll name it, that we'll claim it, and that we'll lay it before you and walk away from it. Today, I pray freedom from that sin today. I pray that we can be so wrapped up in your holiness, not because of who we are, but because of who we know, and we know you, Jesus. I pray that we will worship you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our weakness, with all our strength. I pray that we will worship you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.